Welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com. This week we're talking about Superchunk's 11th studio album, What a Time to Be Alive, and it starts out with the title track. to be one of the best underdog stories of the rock world during our time they're this band that has been making vital energetic reliable melodic punk for almost 30 years and of course mac mccon and laura valence two of the members of super chunk founded merge records which is continues to be one of the independent success stories that is just like an above board great label and it just makes me so happy to see them putting out a record that's this good and this timely Obviously, 30 years, but that includes, I think, there was a 10-year break between Mm -hmm. a couple of albums, and then I think they took about five years before putting out this album, but, you know, worth the wait. It's obviously a very challenging time, and to just put it out, this statement up front of, like, what a time to be alive, and it's to really nail this sense of kind of horror and excitement at once that it's just this i think summed up in that chorus to see the rot with no disguise that there's something exhilarating about awful things that aren't hiding anymore and well, it's I mean, terrifying yeah, but it's it, also like hey you know your enemy and they're there in front of you well also it's like we've had this conversation before but it's it feels it, like historically important to be witnessing the end of the american democratic project with during our <laughs> lifetime you know like it's scary and i don't know what's going to happen next but it's interesting times to be living through. Yes. And it's, I'm still one of those hopelessly optimistic <laughs> people who believes that there's a that there's a good ending on this. Yeah. And I think that that's what they're tapping into, that you don't despair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's if that's a through line. And, and thank goodness. I mean, they come. There's just there's so much energy. And you talked about Mac McCann being in this band, starting the record label. And he has that just unique voice. And I don't know, in the late 80s, if there were a lot of people who sounded like that, if that was kind of of the time. And I don't think anyone sounds like him now. Mm-hmm. And it does, but it doesn't sound like some kind of throwback. It seems so vital, even though it's, you know, a quirky voice. It's yeah. got kind of nasal and 
high and yeah doesn't he's but he knows how to make the most of it and make urgent music and it feels urgent like he believes every word he's singing yeah and and you know i think it is worth noting that you know at least i i I think jim wilbur who's the lead guitarist has a day job john worster the drummer plays in multiple other bands and is a comedian on the side and mac mccon and laura balance presumably could retire on the money from arcade fires neon bible and so these are people who are our age who have no reason to put out another record if they don't want to and they don't need to tour but it's like they felt like this was a time when they need to just say something and we'll kind of get to this later but there's a song later in the record called Reagan Youth where it's kind of you kind of get where they're coming from where they see music as the way to carry the message forward and I think that's what they're trying to do here yeah and they do carry the message forward and get a little bit of backup from some of their merged label mates on this next track we'll play it's called Break the Glass the second verse and chorus that we heard and joining Mac McCon is Sabrina Ellis from A Giant Dog and Sweet Spirit, two bands that are both about a thousand times less famous than they should be. And uh, I really... And are also on Merge Records. Uh, well, oh, well the, A Giant Dog A, a Giant Dog is, yeah. And her talent is so incandescent and it's so wonderful here. I really feel like you know, Super Chunk, they've been around for 30 years. They really have, they're kind of anchored in the past and still vital, but this almost felt like a little bit of a passing the torch in this mm-hmm. moment to like, hey, we're we're trusting you to kind of carry the fire forward. Yeah, and- there's a lot of that in this record. And that's a voice that I really appreciate because we're at the age, we're like, I think it's similar ages to them. And it's sort of at this moment where, you know, you want to see the kids today sort of like waking up and learning to organize and you want to like encourage them to kind of take over and take the lead. And I feel like that is the voice that's speaking on this record. And there's even a line on I Got Cut, which is something on the line, something like I can move out of the way or something yeah. like that. And there's very much a feeling of community on this record and a feeling of like encouraging the next generation to take over. Yeah, and this this song, he's literally, ta- he's literally handing it over to her. He's 
solo on the first chorus and then in this chorus he starts to hand it off to her she and then in the third chorus her voice almost becomes more prominent than his is and it's fantastic so it's really joyful even as it's about facing kind of catastrophe Mm -hmm. (laughs) and yeah that that dichotomy and I love the energy in this song. You know, John Worcester is also the drummer in my favorite band, The Mountain Goats, and we both have a special place in our hearts for him. He's amazing. And this song, it's, you know, he's just so, he's so expert and subtle, but the way that he switches to the toms in the part that we heard, like, after the verse, where it just kind of, like, really revs up the song in a subtle way. Yeah, the high energy rhythm is fantastic. And then... I really like, I think Superchunk, structurally, these songs are very straightforward, but Mm -hmm. then harmonically, it's just doing these odd chord progressions where each verse starts in this just very uncomfortable place and Mm -hmm. then gradually relaxes into this triumphant chorus. Mm -hmm. And it should be uncomfortable because it's this, this one verse, I think, sums up kind of life in the modern world, at least for privileged white people who aren't yeah. under immediate threat yeah but there's like going through the motions of life and looking you're you're afraid to look at your cell phone and yet you keep looking at it yeah. and hmm, I, can't, I can't sleep so i'll look at my cell phone some more <laughs> oh wait it's yeah. a little bit of a scary world but talking about switching up chord structures and taking weird turns i think the next song that we'll play sums that up really well it's called dead photographers I love the musicianship on this song. It's just, you know, you have the combination of John Worcester doing the drum solo opening and then Jim Wilbur just shredding. And before we, while we were listening to that, we had a sidebar conversation about we know where um, Mac, Laura, and John are and like what they're doing, but you never really hear much about Jim Wilbur and he's an incredible guitarist. And the only thing I could find is that he toured with Neutral Milk Hotel on their comeback tour as the guitarist but i i can't find anything else that he does but he just seems like a very quietly fantastic musician yeah low profile genius mm-hmm. uh certainly i there's you know multiple little instrumental stretches here because i like there's kind of verse and then a little instrumental before the chorus mm-hmm. where it's like how many different insane chord changes can we get in here yeah. and have it feel totally organic and it really ought to feel busy but it feels right for the song 
There's just so many left turns. Like every time I think I know where the direction of the song is going, even when I've heard it a hundred times, that it still surprises me the way it just turns on a dime. And that's really great song crafting. Yeah. Well, I also feel like in sort of lyrically, at least to me, I found this to be one of the less straightforward songs. I feel like usually while, you know, there's metaphors, they're kind of, a little ob- a little under easily comprehensible and this one requires i think a little more chewing and i haven't i don't think i've quite finished chewing it yet i mean my interpretation and this may be totally off base was that it captured a feeling that i felt that i thought was really unique to our generation or really resonated with me mm-hmm. and the generation xers of you know the lyrics are kind of they start out we got dipped in silver we got hollow cores we had sacks of daylight we were awful bored too late we find our feet and it's kind of like the idea that most of our adulthood everything was pretty much fine like the bush years were problematic but you know it wasn't like the world was falling apart and then obama was president for a long time and it seemed like things were on the right track and suddenly you're shocked into doing something and i have friends who this past year it was the first time they'd ever attended a protest or like marched for something and got out into the streets and i think it's people suddenly waking up to being activists even though we're now kind of too old to be on the front lines and and i thought this captured that captured that feeling And the chorus, I read it as, it's very easy, especially at our age, to just continue to be kind of wrapped up in high culture and our sort of blue state, big city interests. You know, I remember as far as dead photographers, like I used to be really into Dion Arbus, the photographer, Mm -hmm. and just like how you can kind of focus on things that are not of the moment to distract yourself from everything terrible that's going on. And it's really easy to focus on that, presumably, especially if you're an artist and you spend most of your time around other artists and musicians, and you can just kind of like focus on the cool stuff and the art that you're making and turn away from trying to change what's happening politically. Thank you. Oh, that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, the beauty is in the way of you getting engaged in the world, and it's so easy. There's so much of it. You know, and like, the world is so ugly right now, it's more palatable to sort of focus on better things. <laughs> yes, you know, I, 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 I think I got it, and it's awesome. <laughs> that could be totally wrong. So. <laughs> no, I'm going to buy it. I'm, I'm jumping on board the your interpretation train. Yeah. So we'll play another, I think, one of the more, I think, obtuse to me songs, but still really pretty. It's called Erasure. Named after the first band that I ever saw in concert. Mm-hmm. That's what they were thinking. last listen before we talk about the song where it came into focus and i think part of why i had a little challenge with it is i feel like 
this album is a lot of it is about hey let's you know take care of these problems let's the youth are the solution we're going to work with them to solve the problem reminds me a little of a lot of those songs on that lcd sound system record of like hey let's team up the young people and the gen xers and we'll fight and this is the first one where it's like hey these young kids are just ignoring us and that is that sort of sense of like the gen x being kind of the boomers on one side and these millennials on the other side and we're just kind of this forgotten generation oh interesting i didn't even think of it that way but i think that's a good interpretation there's this entire i think the second verse is all about you just see us as weeds that are in your path and you just need to trump stomp us down and have us shed a tear because that's all we have to offer. And that's interesting because I thought of this actually as a, a an attempt to erase anything that's negative against like Trump, you know, how he just dismisses everything as fake news and he just wants to pretend that there's no opposition and everybody loves him. So I think those are both valid interpretations, but yeah. I really like the song and the backing vocals that you can barely hear are Katie Crutchfield of Waxahachie and Stephen Merritt of the Magnetic Field. And it's actually in the last chorus you can really hear his low baritone yeah voice. well it's nice they they at the end of the song they think they repeat the chorus three or four times and mm. each time he becomes more and more prominent and mm. just brings the entire thing with just yeah. the, his incredible voice yeah is uh, a real different sound for this it's pretty great yeah this also has one of my favorite dead-on lines of this record which is just hate so graceless and so cavalier and i feel like that just sums up everything about the trump administration and there's so there's so many great lines in this record where it's obvious that that's who they're addressing and I mean they've made that explicit in interviews and things but it doesn't sound dated like you could apply this to any future autocrat or even going back in the past like it's not it doesn't date itself except for there's one particular line in the next song we'll play which is called I Got Cut that is the only direct reference to any current event so we'll play that next single since it was part of a seven inch benefit for Planned Parenthood and it's super catchy and fast and fun and yet it's I think structurally kind of wonky where it starts with the chorus and then has a second chorus or these kind of two halves of the chorus that don't sound anything alike and then these verses that sound so kind of out of 
place and so they're almost like bridges and the song feels very kind of uncentered because of the way it kind of starts on the unexpected foot and i i appreciate that it's super poppy and yet throws a throws you for at least a little bit of a loop yeah i think that you could it could seem like a lot of super chunks music on its face if you just listen to it once it seems kind of simple but then on repeated listens you see that there is actually a lot of complexity there and i think that's an example of that you don't always know where the song you usually don't know where the song is going I yeah and, and these songs are short i think the longest song on the album is just over four minutes mm-hmm. and the shortest one's what like a minute mm-hmm. and yet they're able to squeeze a lot in there and i like there's just there's not a lot of fat in here yeah and this this is the song that i mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast about kind of making room for the younger generation and this is has the line that i'm, sli- I'm slipping over the sides closing my eyes making room for somebody else and it's the idea of kind of like stepping aside and like letting the next generation take up the mantle and i think it's so well timed that this album was released this week when there's all the news about the kids marching after their school got shot up and calling attention to gun control issues yeah it's absurdly timely and i just the the visual of the the older generation that won't die their flesh balloons waving their arms around and it's just so grotesque and yet completely spot on because ew yeah i mean there's a lot of other you know the other side of the imagery in this album which is i think really resonates with me is that the the imagery of these baby boomers who are these old people who are getting ready to die but before they do they're gonna set the globe on fire and like make sure that everything is burned to the ground Mm -hmm. and throw out all these environmental regulations and making sure that these people who are just becoming adults and have to live in this world for the next many decades are gonna have this huge mess to clean up but you don't understand you weren't in the 60s you weren't there <laughs> and you'll never understand yeah but the so. but the line here that you were quoting that i i also love is all these old men won't die too soon flesh balloons still waving their arms around yeah and that really sums epic. it up well and this does have the one you know the one reference to chelsea manning free chelsea manning and that's such an it's an interesting choice for the one topical reference and i do wonder rhyming like, with family planning family planning well yeah the, the planned parenthood benefit but uh I do wonder, like, how how are people in the future going to look back on her as a historical figure? And it's like, it is really interesting because it's, you know, an interesting story. And how will history treat it? But but it's funny that I think maybe because this was the first song, that was a an immediate uh, kind of reference to current events. And I think as they wrote the rest of the record, there was kind of a conscious thought to not really peg anything specifically but make this a more universal record that could apply to generations down the line the next song we'll play is one where instead of trying to be current they look to the past it's called reagan youth
delightful. It's evoking the early 80s and it's super high energy, but it's also super melodic, perhaps a little more so than Reagan Youth was. And I like how they tie it to the modern age, though, because there's this little line about cables getting cheaper, but there's something going on. And that's so tied into like the people want to look at the Internet and it's, you know, it's so affordable to just distract yourself with all the beauty of the dead photographers. Mm -hmm. But there's something so compelling that you don't fall victim to that and that the the role of music to kind of get people off their butts and out in the streets is and, really inspiring. Yeah, I think we need to interject that Reagan Youth was an anarchist punk band from the very early 80s and obviously saw Reagan as the new incarnation of Hitler. And I wonder if uh, that lead singer who was alive today, what he would think of Trump. But but, you know, it's about I, presumably Mac McCann remembering back to hearing that music for the first time in 1981 and the impact it had in, on him and how he kind of went forward and started this band. And I, the implication, I think, is that he hopes that other people will hear this music and it will cause them to go forward and carry the message. Yeah. And that I like that, that there's more than one. He's not saying it's going to be him, but he's saying that there's that potential out there that some artist has that power to inspire people and that's really great and i mean there's certainly some bittersweet elements to it that you know a lot of people didn't their lives didn't end well from that movement mm -hmm. and that it, it's tough out there but i think that a through line on this album like it's optimistic but there's all these different ways in which like i get cut i get injured you know, there's a song about just fight me. I'm afraid to get hurt, but I'm going to fight anyway. There's songs about just I'm um, getting out of the way for the next person. And that notion of that you may not survive, but you kind of have to fight anyway. And yeah, the, the, we're, we, we're not going to play the penultimate track, which is called All For You. But yeah, the chorus is fight me. I don't like to get hit, but fight me. Yeah, basically like and and I think that's how a lot of us feel. I don't want to have to fight in a civil war, but I'll certainly pick up a gun and defend my homeland of California. Yeah. And, and by the same token, I think if I have a misgiving about the album is, is that it makes it so kind of cheerful about something that if it were really to happen would be just so dreadful that it's a little it's challenging. And yet, like with anything, things are not as bad as they could get. And yet you have to just be be positive that you're still alive, that some survive and you're one of them. And Well, and I think it also has to be, you have to have a sense of optimism about the future and you have to be fighting for something. And I think the message of this record is believing in the good of most people and that, you know, there's a really evil minority that's running things, but most people are good people who care about their community and we have to band together and work for a better future. And I think that's where the optimism comes from. And in yeah. fact, the last song that we're going to go out on, which is called Black Thread, talks about basically cutting the thread that ties your heart to your hand. And it's a really great image. But the idea that because you're so empathetic or you're so depressed about the state of things, you can't stop that from using your hand to, yeah. to mix metaphors with another song to break the glass. Yeah, I exactly. I always thought that this thread is kind of tying you down. It's like that depression and despair and hopelessness. And you just have to release yourself from that and get out there. And it's so hopeful. And it's amazing. Yeah, this that this band 30 years in and 11 albums in and can put out an album so aware of their age and the fact that it's kind of time for them to get out of the way and to put out this album that's just not yet. Yeah. We're, we're still so current, so real, so vital. Yeah, I, I never thought of Superchunk as such an important band and this is an album that's like, wow, this band really matters. Thank you for these guys. 
So we'll go out, as I said, with Black Thread. You've been listening to For the Record, and we've been discussing Super Chunk's 11th studio album, What a Time to Be Alive. Thanks for listening.